today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, is not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. All right. All right. <laughs> Man, this is going to be a, 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 a crazy few weeks that we have in store. Uh, we're going to uh, hold, uh, at the Holy Land. I have Holy we, Land we are mind. going to the Holy Land, but in, not, not in the not next, next couple few weeks. weeks yeah. yeah, right. Uh, but if you want to go to uh, the Holy Land with us, uh, you should we, totally come. We'd love to have you. But we're going to Houston. Uh, some would say the Holy Land of the U.S. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who would say that. Great. <laughs> but we are going well, to... Well, I'm excited to go. <laughs> uh, we're going to go give a talk on uh, at the Together in Holiness uh, a couple different, three different parishes. So mm-hmm, we're doing mm-hmm. that this next week or this weekend, coming weekend. And then we have the Catholic Mancho Camp Out, which I'm pumped yeah, about. Uh, we're going to be smoking some some pork. We're having a fr- fish fry this year. We're doing a cigar rolling. We're doing, I mean, we're doing like we're doing it all. Uh, you don't know about seven, this. And, you don't know about this, yeah. but we also might be doing two whiskey wrestles. I do know about this. You do. Yes. There's very few things that you saying. say. I, you I don't just know about tried. This. I just I I. I tried. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort. Yeah. Uh, and then we have... I, th- I think You could at have... least have pretended, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was rude. And then we're going to... Uh, we're, we're going to Colorado for the XS90 Freedom Summit. Yep. And giving a talk there. Super excited about. And then uh, we have another... I think we have another conference. That, I mean, we're, we're busy the next... Uh, we have well, the... it's, you know, it's, it's busy season, yeah. so to speak. And we have um, the Rosary Rally here in Tulsa that we're, we're hosting. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know... Uh, Dave and I own and run the Catholic radio station here in Tulsa. We don't own it, but we do run it. It's a nonprofit. It's owned by the nonprofit. Yeah, yeah. it's owned by the. Yeah. Just we started it. Just in case anyone like from the IRS is, is listening. listening. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, good idea. Okay. I don't want to get sued. Yeah. Um, or take you know stuff taken away from us. And if you do get sued, I did not say that. Well, that's why we have Jim. Jim's the fall guy. Yeah. Jim is Th- the fall guy. Hey, thanks for being here, Jim. <laughs> we appreciate you, Jim. Um, that's a true story. When we asked Jim to join the board, <laughs> he's like, "You guys." You could tell, like, there was some real hesitancy in his eyes. He's like, you setting me up as the fall guy? <laughs> You're like, no! Are, are, you, are you guys in trouble? <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so uh, one of the things that we do, so the, the radio station is a, a wonderful medium. The Catholic radio station is a wonderful medium in, 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 in the Tulsa area for us to bring community together, yeah. for us to evangelize, for us to defend the faith. And one of the things that we do is we, we, we try our best to host events that are community-based events to you know, get together, to have fellowship, to you know, learn more about our faith. And one of the things we do, uh, thanks to Dave and Trisha Schlittler, is uh, the Rosary Rally, which is awesome. I'll let you tell them about it. The Rosary Rally is a 5K run mm-hmm. and Rosary Rally. So it's, uh, but it's a 5K where each kilometer is dedicated to a different mystery of the Rosary. And so as participants put, uh, run, their balloons mm-hmm. uh, uh, throughout the course that represent Hail Marys, you know, so you can kind of run and pray the rosary. I personally recommend praying it in your head. It's very hard to pray out loud because you while running. Breath. Yeah, because you cannot, like, yeah. that's super. It's even hard just, like, casually walking uphill if you're praying the rosary in a group. You start to just, like, you lose <sighs> breath quick. Anyway, yeah. um, so it's it's so awesome. There's also, uh, if... A mile walk. There's a mile for Mary walk, right? If mm-hmm. five if five k is not your speed, there's also just like participants praying the rosary at the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, we we finish with a four man rosary relay, mm-hmm. which is not only based on judged on speed, but also on reverence. reverence. Mm-hmm. Your your daughters won last year. Not shocking, but uh, they won is some. They won one of the categories. One yeah, the there categories, was there was yeah. yeah. You're right. Something. Uh, Luke won one year. Yeah. Um. So it's it's such an awesome. There's we have a holy mass, outdoor holy mass at eight o'clock. Confessions. Yep, confession. Uh, we have a live band that plays at the end. It's at the it's if you know the Tulsa area, it's in the gardens mm-hmm. at uh, La Fortune Park. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's awesome. Go to TulsaRosaryRally.com if you want to learn more about that. Yes, and sign up. Yeah, it's, it's free to come. Uh, there's also group rates for if you want to be a. Well, it's not like, free to come. It's free to come to the rally. Um, oh, you do free, have to yeah. pay. You know, if you're gonna run or be in the do the walk, but. Right. Um, there's group rates available, so if you come with a group, you get a, a discount. Mm-hmm. Check it out, Rosary, TulsaRosaryRally.com. Yep. So tonight we're drinking Uncle Nearest 1884 small batch whiskey. Not a single drop of whiskey made into this bottle without me first tasting and approving it. I'm mm. confident you will love it too. Is this a backwash? Is the master blender. Is what he says. Every drop he tasted. That's kind of the way it comes across. <laughs> it's uh, not as... Well, that's wordsmithing. A, that's a you know what? That's one take. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, a long history with Uncle Nearest. Are, uh, I'm not sure if you're I, aware. I'm familiar with Uncle Nearest, but I do. I'm not familiar with their history or how long it is. So back in uh, in the very earliest of days of us, the earliest of days uh, of America, like okay, uh, um, distilling whiskey. Okay. Uh, there was a, a, a African American man who, who they they called him Uncle Nearest. And he had the best batch of whiskey that he, okay. he he distilled, and it had to do with the way he charred the oak barrels. Um, he he charred them a certain way in which it really brought out a lot of vanilla and caramel, and like it was just like his batch, right? Yeah. Um, well, long story short, there was a man who uh, really liked the whiskey. His name was Jasper, and he came up to Uncle Nearest. What a sweet. Old-fashioned name. That's, ja- you don't you don't run into many Jaspers these days. No, Jasper uh, basically bought out. Maybe it's maybe it's due for a comeback. Maybe Jasper uh, bought out uh, his recipe, and uh, Jasper's last name is Daniels. Oh, really? I and, see where this is going. And he, he had a son named it, Jack. 
And no, no, his, he just named it Jack. Oh, okay. Instead, because Jasper Daniels doesn't really ring as well as Jack Daniels. I agree. Jack Daniels hits a lot harder. Right. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Uncle Nearest, like uh, some of the earliest whiskeys, some of the earliest uh, bourbons that came out of blazing America. the trail for American bourbon. Yeah. So Uncle to his Nearest. soul, and yeah. to all those who uh, helped bring about the uh, the currency of whiskey, mm. whiskey played a huge role in our in in uh, the the foundation of our country. I don't know if you know this, but to them, to Jasper, one of the Lord's team, the winning side. You raise your glass. Cheers. So it's going to be a very mild whiskey. It's not yep. going to be uh, spicy or it's not going to be hot. It, it actually, it's 93 proof, so it's 46.5%, so you're not going to get a whole lot of alcohol burn. It's just a nice, mellow whiskey. Yep. I agree. It is, it's pleasant. It, it's, and it's got a nice finish. You know, it, it, hangs, it hangs with yeah. you. And At the very end, there's a little bit of this uh, peppercorn all-spice. Yeah, spice. when you said it's not spicy, I was like, well... It has a little bit it's got a little bit to it. But it's not like, I, when I said that, I was, I, think, I was thinking more like the alcohol burn type oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. But what do you think, Jim? Very good. On the yummy, yummy scale? Yummy. Huh? And yummy. Where, where is it on the yummy scale? We'll go, we'll go back to the five point. Okay, because what yeah. last, it was like, I thought we were on a five point scale and like last <laughs> time was like nine nine, or 93 something. or something. Really <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was really good. Uh, 4.8. 4.8 4. 4. out of five. out of five. Okay. Okay. You know what to get Jim for a birthday or for a Christmas present. So bourbon actually was how much? Of, how much is this? Uh, it was about forty-five bucks, I believe. B- beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. We're, worth that's worth every penny right there. Um, so bourbon actually helped us pull through a bunch of wars. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, one of the ways when, what happened was when we would go to war, like uh, um, the Civil War and uh, what is it, the eight. eight 1812. 1812. War, war, war of 1812 yeah, war, war and the Civil War and things like that. What happened was is they obviously would go into a lot of debt when oh, wars happen, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And so what they would do afterwards is uh, tax high, higher the alcohol, alcohol tax to get us back out of debt. And so... If only it was that easy these days. Yeah. Um, so that's how, like, you know, we... They used uh, a lot of alcohol... A lot, of, a lot of bourbon, yeah, as a way of, of currency, as, as a way, and this is why they had to have bottled and bond because it, you know it started be, being manipulated and, right, and, right. and all these other things. But anyway, yeah, uh, whiskey, you know, bourbon is something that we should really be proud of as in America. Like you know, we always hail the the Scotch and Irish whiskeys, you know, as the top. But you know, bourbon is something to be proud of. Uh, you know, it's a a very fine drink. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely got its own. It's got its own space. Right. I do think that there is more refinement in many scotches, um, but you know they've been doing sure. it for a lot longer. A lot longer, but that's not a knock on bourbon. It's not a knock on Irish whiskey. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think so. I like the space bourbon has like carved out and does really well. So you know the the four things in which it has to be considered a bourbon whiskey, not just American whiskey. If I can remember this off the top of my head, I was not planning on saying yeah, this. It's like, it's like, I think I know them too, but I'm not going to say them in case per- I'm wrong. It has to be 51% corn. Yeah, that yep. has to be uh, virgin oak casks. Does, yes. does not matter about the species of oak, but it has to be that. Yeah. No additives. Uh-huh. And it has to come in uh, at least uh, uh, distilled at 160 proof and into the barrel at at least 90 proof. It has to be made in America. Yes, and has to be made in America. Yeah. Dang, I did it. That was, that was it. That, you, that was good. I like. We're gonna Pr- talk about St. Thomas Aquinas. Proud of you. 
Dave and Pamela, Haley and I, Jim and Kathy, and Father Patrick Briscoe, Dominican Friar from the Dominican House of Studies, editor of Our Sunday Visitor. We're going to the Holy Land, and we want you to come with us. April 3rd through the 13th, 2024, we're going to be walking in the footsteps of our Lord and His Apostles. We're going to celebrate daily Mass and sample some of the best local cuisine and wine. It's going to be a fantastic trip full of prayer, fellowship, mirth, and it's selling out quick. We're taking less than one bus, so it's, it's intimate. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime. We want you to come with us. All you have to do is go to selectinternationaltours.com slash Catholic Command Show. Sign up today. It's selling out very quickly, but we want you to join us. Selectinternationaltours.com slash the Catholic Command Show. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We have no idea where Juan is. We hope he's okay. I think he probably is. He's doing fine. He's probably doing great, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So I had some uh, some exciting adventures today, Adam. Okay. Um. Out after mass. After mass. Uh huh. Because sometimes there's some exciting adventures so, I mean, during you never, mass. You never, oh yeah, those are not. I would d- typically don't put those in the exciting category. Yeah, uh, I mean definitions matter, I guess, yeah. on on what you mean by exciting. Yeah. Uh, so we have a tradition, you know, of taking a Sunday walk, a family walk around the property after mass on Sunday. Yeah. Um, we were doing that today, and we made it. Walked through the front yard, made it back to the barn, and when we got in the barn, I said, "Okay, kids, everybody." Just walk out, leave the every, out of the barn. Everybody, leave the barn right now. We have been trying to trap a rat. There's been a rat in the barn. I think at this point the rat is gone because uh, we've had all kinds of traps. The food is just it's just not even touched. You know, it's like mm-hmm. today though. I looked over at the live trap and there was a skunk in it. Mm. <laughs> in the barn and we're all just right there and it was seemed fine with us being there and it wasn't point lifting its tail uh but you don't all the said you, you all don't the, smell like you got sprayed uh all all the same is like okay out of the barn right now yeah so um i had to summon the courage today to go get that thing out of the trap oh man yeah that would i was be... like do i just shoot it you know, do I want right. to make like? Do I uh, like take the opportunity to make a new hat? <laughs> you know, dude, I would. Okay, that I mean that's, that crossed your mind. It's well, <laughs> at least that way I don't have to walk up to the to the cage. Okay, yeah. The only way to get it out of the cage is to walk up to the cage. Mm-hmm. So um, I did it. I did not get sprayed. Uh, really impressive. I, I felt like, you know, I really conquered. Uh, what was the disposition of the skunk when you approached the well, cage? Well, I was very cautious and slow, uh-huh. and I was uh, talking. You know, so I I, I was what, not what language. I was actually I was singing the song Jolene by. Uh, okay, good. I know that skunks like country music. Yeah, so they do because that's their native in, that's mm-hmm. their native habitat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's just the song I had been playing on the guitar right before that, and so I just kept it going with some Dolly Parton, mm-hmm. to, to, and he seemed to like it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have changed the words if I had thought about it. Like, you know, like, gunk, please don't spray me in the face instead of like, don't take my man. Mm-hmm. But I forgot. I didn't think about that at the time. What you do with a skunk is you want to take a blanket. Mm-hmm. Skunks have terrible eyesight, very nearsighted. So, and they won't spray unless they can see what they're spraying. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because they also don't like the smell. <laughs> okay. It's not like they are immune. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I, you know, I thought maybe made, because you know, when you fart, like everybody kind of likes their own farts. This is unbelievable. You know what I'm talking about? We're anyway, not- that's not how it is with skunks. So you take a blanket and you, you slowly walk up to the cage. And if it starts to raise his tail, you just stop. Okay. Let him calm down. It's a slow process. That's why I did that. Got the blanket over. Took him outside. You know, because then you can't see it, just dark. And right. then, you know, open the lid and poof, shot yeah, out. Shot out of there. Yeah. Nice. Did not get sprayed. That's the, that's the key. Yes. Yeah, because I decided if he uh, did spray me, I was making a hat. <laughs> like, <laughs> that just, if you spray me, that's it. You're done. Yeah, it's, it's, we're taking a different a different course at that point. <laughs> so he didn't spray me. Nice. It well, ended well. It ended well. That's great news. But it was um, <laughs> it was not what I expected today. Yeah, not not what was on the agenda. No, another exciting day on the farm. Nice. Well played. Well played. That would have taken a little bit of fortitude. Like I can imagine seeing that in there and being like, I just don't want to deal yeah, with this. Have you ever been like in the area? Or like been around when a skunk sprays, yes. Because it is not, you know, you drive down the highway and you right. see, and you're like, oh, no, skunk, that's skunk, and it smells bad. But when you are there, yeah, it, I, it, God, happened. I was there like five or six years ago. It is it, burned it into hurts, my memory. Yeah, it hurts your eyes There's, and your nose. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it gets into your nose, and it's like it's terrible. It's let's, let's, so much worse. Let's than talk what about you good think, things, though. Than Let's what you think. Yeah. So, but anyway, that was running through my mind as I'm walking with this. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. do not spray me. Because also, I was tempted like, I'll just come back in five days. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just you know what I don't, I'm fine. <laughs> but I was like, no, I am just not, I'm not going to leave it out here just to starve. You know, to like die of dehydration. Mm-hmm. That's that is just not the way. That's not, not the, the way. way. Well played. Yeah. Good job. So tonight, uh, we're going to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas. Shocker. We're going to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas. We like him. We do. But we're going to take a little bit of a different path than normal. Okay. Because we're going to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas without uh, reading much, if any, of his actual works. Bold move. Yeah. Some might say that's a terrible way to play it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... Tonight, uh, I'm pulling from this book. It's called The Life of St. Thomas Aquinas. It's by Willem of Toko. Um, and William, it's, it's an extraordinary book. If you want to know a little bit about like just his life and some of the things about him before actually diving into some of them, yeah. this is a phenomenal book. Here are a couple of reasons why. Uh, William was new, new St. Thomas Aquinas. He's about 20 years younger than, than St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh, okay. Not a friend per se, like not like Reginald, you know, his, his, his good friend Reginald, uh-huh. um, but more of a like student to master okay. relationship, like admirer, followed him a lot, did like listen to him a lot. But he was tasked with uh, 
from the Dominican order to gather up uh, as much information about his life to present to the Pope for his canonization process. Really? Oh, cool. So it's really crazy so because... you had access to like all the stuff and interview all the people. Well, uh, you know, back then, it, when you say all the stuff, it's not what like... It's what not if, like... Uh, what it was today? Well, it whatever is today. it was, whatever it was, they let him look at it. No, he he made the stuff. Okay. So so here's so uh, a couple of things. So he had to like he was seventy when he got all this stuff actually done because I think it was uh, either I can't remember either, like thirty or forty years after his death. Yeah. When it happened, you know, like when he was sure. charged with this, he's he's an old man, and he was called to like go to all these different places to interview his family, some of family members, old students. You know all these different people to get the accounts of uh, of this man's life. Yeah, and he had to swear an oath uh, in front of Pope uh, either Innocent or John the Twenty Second. I can't remember. It's it's close. I think it's Innocent. Um, that that the accounts that he made, in, you know, in his findings were all authentically true to the best of his knowledge. And like you know, back then oaths were like a big deal. Yeah, like it's not like today anymore. You know, it's not like perjury. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Um, uh, they're a really big deal. And so, uh, but that, he, that is how it is today, isn't it? I mean, it's it's sad, but it's just the truth. Yeah. Uh, and he, but he's also he was not known as an academic. He was not known as like this Dominican intellectual, but more of just like a hmm. humble man. And like his okay. writings come off this way. It does not. Read, I, I actually really love it because his writings do not read as like a man who is like uh, trying to use language in which you're thinking like, oh man, he's like yeah. really trying to. He doesn't come across as a Dominican, is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but it's very easy to read. Uh-huh. Uh, he also, um, it's it's not necessarily like a, a history of like it's not like a bi- biography. I wouldn't say because. He intentionally leaves out names and events that don't pertain to really the highest good of Aquinas. Hmm. He, he would just say like this this person or this cardinal, and like in these footnotes, that you know the, the guy translated it, it's basically like it's most likely this guy, yeah, uh, this high esteemed cardinal. But we did he didn't want to say it, you know, for to show because what you find out is that like all these people, Aquinas obviously had this huge reputation, like this resounding reputation around yeah, and then yeah. all, and he had like uh the the emperor was was big into asking him questions and then like the pope was a big into asking him questions so all these different people were asking him questions about like how should we govern this way or how should we take this moral approach you know all these different things well he didn't he's not like writing in, in the year in this date in this year this person asked saint thomas aquinas this question right it really is beautiful because it 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 talks about uh, his life as almost like Aquinas would kind of talk about it if he had to, which he wouldn't want to, right? Because all of Aquinas's writings, we don't know really much about Aquinas at all from his own writings, uh-huh. and he did that intentionally, right? He didn't want to be known, right. so to speak. You know, so we don't know. We didn't know anything about you know, from his own writings about anything about his family, the way he you know looked, you know, the way you know where all he went, like where he was staying, you know, like we we don't know any of these things yeah. from him. He would have thought those things were not interesting. Right. Because he didn't want to be original. Yeah. He wanted to be unoriginal. He wanted to just be, you know, an imitator of Jesus Christ. Actually, pretty... Not not actually a whole lot of those guys 
running around who do so, who actually do it well. Right. So it's put out by Angelus Press. It's recently. It's not. It, it's very recent on uh, the translation in English. Okay. So it's not like so. It, it, it's not been uh, wide, uh, widely produced in English it, uh, for very long. Um. And anyway, as I read through it. There was just a lot of beautiful things about him that I was like, I didn't know about this. So I compiled out of this. There's a lot of different, th- you know, uh, tales about his story, you know, his life and things. But I, I compiled 16 things that are not normally talked about when talking about St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, and we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Cool. Listen, I know this is going to be a tough sell for you guys, but humor me here. This October, hundreds of Catholic men gathered together from around the world at Estes Park, Colorado, beautiful Estes Park, Colorado, in October. It's going to be gorgeous for a five-day adventure dedicated to helping everybody build a better prayer life, forming up virtue and a life beyond Exodus 90, and having brotherly fellowship, getting to know one another, most likely over a pint. Join us, exodus90.com slash the summit. We're going to be there. Dave and I, we're going to be giving a talk. We're going to have a live Catholic Man Show episode there. Join us, exodus90.com slash summit. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. We're going to talk about 16 things about St. Thomas Aquinas' life that you probably have not heard. This is uh, transcribed by William of Atoka. Toko? 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 I almost said Atoka, like Oklahoma. How do you know it's not Taco? I don't, I guess. <laughs> Toko. I would say Toko. It's is it two C's? Yeah. T O C C O. Mm-hmm. You know, Taco would be a fun way to pronounce it. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, so here's 16 things. So uh, someday as- I would be fine being remembered as David of Taco. David it could be a lot worse. David of the Taco. Man loved. He loved ground. David the Skunk Whisperer. <laughs> he loved ground beef. Wrapped in a hard shell. That was his jam. <laughs> so, uh, as we go through, uh, tell me afterwards if, if you heard about it before okay. or not. If okay. If it's something that you've heard before or not. And then, if you have any commentary, obviously. Okay. So, the first thing uh, is about his mom. All right. Very fitting. Uh, and it's beautiful because in this book, he, he refers to her as Lady Theodora. Her name is Theodora. Okay. I like it. But he refers mm, to her as familiar, Lady right? Lady Theodora. Uh-huh. Um, Who does? William? William. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he refers to her. Sounds... Her name is Theodora, but he refers to her as Lady Theodora. Was Lady, that, was that like a title? Like, was that... Uh, Possibly. I think that was like for nobility. So maybe she was of the noble class. So well, she, she wasn't of the noble class. So she would have been. It's not just what he's calling her. She is Lady Theodora. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um. The thing about it is, in the book, that he doesn't talk anything about uh, Aquinas' dad. Really? Mm-mm. Which I found interesting. So, but but uh, Lady Theodora it was known uh, all around as a, an extremely virtuous woman. Uh, she she was visited by a hermit one day. Hmm. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no, no. And uh, he he told her, "Rejoice, my lady." For you are pregnant, and you will bear a son whom you will call Thomas, and you and your husband will plan to make a monk of him, 
at the Monastery Monte Cassino, where the body of Blessed Benedict rests. In the uh, hope of obtaining important revenues from the monastery through the dignity of your son's office. Nevertheless, God will have other plans for him. The boy will become a brother of the order of preachers, of such, such sanctity of life and splendor of knowledge that his like will be found in the world in his age. His like will, will be found? Will, uh, oh, I'm sorry, will not be found <coughs> in the world of his age. Wow. Now, it's kind of funny. It's I like, think well, that if, kind you, of sounds, if you knew that, why'd you still try to put him, you know, it's like. Well, it sounds very familiar, right? Because then she, does. She, res, she responds and answers him, I am not worthy to bear such a son, but let God do the pleasure of his will. Yeah, it's totally, totally familiar. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, very familiar. Uh, and then in, this, in the footnotes, it says that there's a possibility, like, Afterwards, like after uh, William got this account from some of his family members, mm-hmm. uh, that some of them thought that it was actually uh, St. Dominic himself uh, appearing to her as a hermit. Appearing to her? Yes. Okay. As yeah. like in the skies of a, of a hermit. Like a, a, a locution of mm-hmm. St. Thomas. So not actually St. Thomas. I mean, yes. I'm, con- I'm confusing it. I'm making it more confusing sounding, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. What, so do do think, they give reasons why they would think that? No, it's just, that was just on the footnote. Kind of a so, pious. Yeah, a pious tradition. Pious maybe. belief, yeah. yeah. So anyway, have you heard that before? No, I have uh, not heard that I, one. It's actually really awesome because some of these chapters, uh, he intentionally kind of goes through and parallels a lot of the beginning of Thomas's life with different prophets from the Bible hmm. um, and, you know, different, like, aspects in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, and correlates, like, this happened to Thomas in his life, just like the prophet, you know, like... Yeah. Um, which is really interesting. But I thought that was really cool. That is cool. Uh, when Thomas was a baby, he was put, like, he was given to his nurse... And the nurse put him down to to play with all these other kids, and uh, Thomas grabbed this piece of parchment mm-hmm. in in his hand. And then the nurse came back and grabbed him, and he had she had to change him, and he would not let her open uh, his hand. The Hail Mary. Uh, no, yeah. it's not. Well, it's uh, Ave. Ave. Yeah. yeah. So um, he was screaming, and so he was. The nurse was like, I don't know, and just gave it back to to the mom. Uh huh. And the mom. Finally, just said like, "Okay, fine. I'm just not gonna mess with the hand." And uh, washed him and got him changed and got him ready for you know and just let let him have that hand. Well, eventually she got out uh, of his hand and realized. And as she was doing it, he was screaming at the top of his lungs. Uh huh. And there's a little that parchment paper. She opened it up and it said Ave Maria. Uh huh. And from that day on, when Thomas was screaming, he couldn't be comforted. Without being handed a, a a parchment of paper into his hand, any paper or the one that said Ave Maria. It didn't it. say it didn't mention whether huh. or not it was Ave Maria or not. But then he would actually take it as a little kid and chew it and put it in his mouth, as a lot of kids do, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, and end up swallowing it. And the the correlation here is like here's a man, you know, the baby that is destined to devour the the word, so uh-huh. to speak. And was doing it from the very beginning of his. I wonder if it tasted sweet as honey in his mouth, and um, then ma- bitter and 
you know, right. his stomach. That's also a possibility. Could be. When when he was a kid, I don't know if this is on your notes, but he used to say a thousand aves a day. Not in my notes. Of course. So, so you'd he, heard that? Yeah, you obviously had heard this that story yeah, before. Yeah, I had heard that one before. Um, and so he would say a thousand Hail Marys a day in Latin. However, it's like, wow, that would take a long time. It would take a long time. But also at the t- when he was when he was alive, the Hail Mary was only half as long as it is now. Right. This is the first half. Right. It it wasn't there was no Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, right. now and at the hour of death. That part was that was added on later, which mm-hmm. is a great great addition. Mm-hmm. Uh because like that's where like that's actually the the part of the prayer that I like yes. need the most. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, I love I love and honor Our Lady, but like really, I just I need her to pray for me <laughs> a lot. Okay, yeah. sometimes I'm selfish like that. <laughs> yeah. So that's number two. Number three. Okay. Uh, this this gets back. This gets to the point where he's now going off to. Uh, he's already been to the Benedictine monastery. He's decided to go to the Order of Preachers. Okay. Now remember that the Order of Preachers at this time was was very new and wasn't really like. Uh, well, like it wasn't prestigious at all. Okay, right? You know the Benedictine monastery, like you know, mon- yeah, yeah, the Benedictine monastery is like the cream of the crop, the highest. Like, uh, it comes with a lot of pomp and circumstance, and like, yeah, you know, and they like, they were known as like the thinkers and the like academics, at, right? At at the, at the time, right? And and this is why, uh, you know, in the beginning, when 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 that hermit came and said uh, that he would go to Monte Cassino, where the body uh, of Benedict Flores, in hope of obtaining important revenues from that monastery because of the dignity of your son, like you you want to send him there because mm-hmm. in hopes of you know also receiving yeah, a good career, right? Um, but he he had he had switched over to the to the order of preachers, and his mom, knowing like that this was already prophesied. Uh, uh, Prophesied, prophesied, prophesied yeah. Yeah. to to her. Like wanted to go and confirm his vocation, and uh, and like confirm the, the prophecy and said like, yes, this is all happening. And, like I, I agree, right? Yeah. But the friars would not allow her to to meet him. The the Benedictine monks? No, no, no. The friars. Oh, okay. The Dominican friars. Yeah. Because they were worried that you know the motherly heart. Is wanting to pull him away from the Dominicans, right? Oh, you know, right. Like he, they were worried. Like, no, no, no. Your motherly instincts are kicking in, and you're wanting to see your son, and you're wanting to talk him out of going. She didn't tell him. No, that's not what I want to do. Well, they probably didn't. Yeah, they didn't show their cards. Right, well, they just yeah, said exactly. no. You can't meet yeah, you can't, her. Meet right, him. Exactly. And so she, like, was in distress about this, right? Because uh-huh. like she wanted to confirm. Like, I don't know for whatever reason wanted to confirm this, and the family knew this, and so the brothers. Went to the emperor and said, "Like we want to go uh, obtain Thomas from the order of preachers to like confirm this for my mother's will. Like uh-huh. my mother desires this." And the emperor said, "Yeah, do it." And so like he sent in his guards and and like grabbed Thomas and took him away, which was like a big ordeal. Yeah. And through the process, Thomas. Uh, while they were like, you know, beating, not not beating up on him, but like like kind of roughing him up a little bit, as you know, you you typically do in that age, like when you okay. take somebody, like you you rough him up, and you always kind of like uh, apparently that you you take off, you know, all their clothes to make sure, like, well, you don't have any swords or you don't have anything on you. All right, some um, some favor these guys are doing. For- yeah, uh, well, I mean, 
Yeah. So, but Thomas would not allow uh, his his uh, habit to be removed, uh-huh. and uh, so like they were t- kind of tearing it. And uh, in in Thomas's mind, he related this to Christ and his passion, like you know them tearing off his garments and all the and and so he he welcomed, but he he hung he clung to his his habit. Well, what happened was is uh, the Pope found out about it. And the Pope got mad and said, like, no, you're not going to do this. And not only that, you are going to punish, like, in pain, anybody who took and who was responsible to take Thomas. And so then they gave Thomas back. The friar saw that how holy Thomas was by because he was like holding on like he suffered a lot to hold on to his his garments his, his habit and basically said like no 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 we don't want to press charges we don't want like let's just make sure that let, let's just end this yeah like let's just let's let, move on like bygones be bygones yeah and so they they didn't like they didn't end up punishing him but if they would have they would have ended up punishing his brothers right which it not would have which is not what they wanted to do no Anyway, we'll continue talking about this uh, St. Thomas Aquinas on the other side. Since the earliest centuries, Catholics have been called to sanctify the home by making it a little church. Family meals, shared gathering spaces, and the most mundane tasks, all of these are to be taken up into the higher dimension and bathed in prayer. But in the modern world, it is easy to lose sight of this fact and shape our homes around the latest consumer trends. In Living Beyond Sunday, the Niles and Minahan families take the mystery and guesswork out of the domestic church, showing you how to sanctify your home simply, wisely, and practically. Every Catholic family should own a copy of this book. That endorsement is from Sam Guzman, the Catholic gentleman. Go check out our new book that we have out by Ascension Press, ascensionpress.com, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about St. Thomas Aquinas mm-hmm. and 16 things you probably didn't know about him. Yep. So had you heard that story before? No, about I, I had not heard that. It has a lot of ramifications, and we're going to actually talk about a little bit more of this later on. Okay. But like the whole ordeal could have been disastrous on many occasions. We'll talk about this more. So bookmark this. Okay. Uh, so the next thing... Bookmarked. So the next thing, uh, in, uh, the fourth point, you know... The, everybody knows the story of uh, Thomas being confined, going yeah. up to the tower, yeah. and you know, uh, running Which, out. That's a weird story. Like, if his mom was so pious, you know, that story doesn't seem to fit in. And like, with a family that was holy, right? And you'll find out. Like, we're going to talk about his family a little bit more, and his family's like, crazy holy. Um, yeah. So what's up with so that? So I don't. I don't know the. It didn't mentioned mention. Like, how'd that happen? I don't know. But he did. He was confined up there for two years. Yeah. Into the tower. And throughout this two years, he like... This is after he had already joined the Dominicans? I'm not positive if it was afterwards okay. or like... Because uh, it would seem like it would be before. Yeah, but he... he and if But like, this isn't uh, also... He doesn't uh, articulate like chronological... Again, right. this isn't uh, like a yeah, biography. Yeah, yeah. It's not like dated like... But this yeah. is just like... I'm going through chapter and chapter. It so just like, seems like that would be something that would have happened before he joined the yeah. Benedictines... Or before the, he joined the uh, Dominicans. Or something, yeah. yeah. So he's up in the tower, though, and these two years are actually really pivotal for it, for his life because what he does is he just de- devotes and dedicates his whole time to study. Uh-huh. So he reads uh, you know, the Bible and, and, and 
almost like basically memorizes the Bible. Yeah. Uh, he reads uh, and studies the book of Sentences, which is a really popular book by Peter uh, uh, Lombards. Uh-huh. It's a theological textbook, basically. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know about it? Yes. Okay. Um, and then also a lot of treaties on Aristotle. Okay. And during this time, it was, you know, obviously the foundation of him, like, learning and developing the habit of study and all these other things. But he also ended up teaching his sister during this time. Okay. And his sister uh, ended up becoming the abbess of a convent in, uh, of Santa Maria in Cupa, or Cap- Capua. Okay, Capua. Um, and so, and it was through, she says, it's through his teaching those two years that she was, that equipped her to become the abbess that she became. Wow. Which I didn't know. Cool. Did you know this? No. Uh-uh. Um, so, at this point, you know, so here he is. He's been up at the tower for two years. He's been studying like crazy, right? But then he meets the great Albert. Yeah. St. Albert the Great, right? Who is a man who just, like, is on the wrong side of the timing of history, right? So, like, remember back in the 80s with Oklahoma State football, you had Thurman Thomas as the running back? And Thurman Thomas was a stud. He was, like, one of the best running backs in the nation. Right. Unfortunately. He's right behind Barry Sanders. He was right in front of Barry Sanders. Yeah. Well, yeah. Barry Sanders followed him. Yeah. And so, very few people remember... Uh, Thurman Thomas over Barry Sanders. Right. And kind of the same the same thing with... With Albert. With Albert, right. Because right. Albert was known. He had a reputation at the time. Oh, of, of he was the master of all sciences. Right. He was known not only... That's why he's the great. Yeah, I mean, he was a, like, you know, the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. And he still is. I mean, if you read his writings, it's they're incredible, right? Uh, but he was told, like... And you got to give him a, a lot of credit where it's due for Thomas becoming who he was. You know, I'm sure that... Albert the Great had a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Now he told uh, uh, Saint Albert the Great told him, told Thomas, and then I think told other, you know, told a couple other people as well. But said, "Do not say this until after my death," which is a huge theme. Thomas says this as well to a lot of a lot of people uh, who, who who come in contact with him, and he does miraculous things. And he's like, "Whatever you do, do not say anything about this until after my death." Um, probably just out of humility, uh, but. Uh, that so uh, St. Albert, they're asking him, like, how did you become all the, the, the master of all these sciences? And he told him not to say anything until after his death, that he, was consecra- he consecrated himself to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and on one occasion was wholly inflamed. Not wholly like H-O-L-Y, but... Right, entirely. But entirely inflamed by the devotion to her, and he received a vision from her while he was burning, and she came with linens and wiped his face with her blessed hands to give him relief. Mm. And he wo- when he woke up from this whole ordeal, his intellect was heightened. Uh, like his, he had this like crazy understanding for things that he, he had not had before. Like everything seemed to like just kind of come in order. Like, you know, yeah. and like he had his uh, memory was, was very much heightened. One of his skin looked good. I don't know. I, you know like, I, I could kind of see it also being like, and also, I looked beautiful. <laughs> Has anyone here ever been totally engulfed in fire? <laughs> Sounds so hot. It's got to be so hot. Yeah. Uh, when like So this just goes to show you, I think also that you, St. Albert the Great not only taught 
Aquinas and all of these intellectual things, but you'll find out later that he also taught him in so much spiritual matters yeah. as well, and especially the love of of, of the Blessed Mother. Mm. Um, Praise God. When St. Albert died, they uh, exhumed his body for re- out of reverence in, in the tomb. Actually, they tombed him, and uh-huh. they, they, they pulled the tomb out, uh, the, the boulder or whatever it was in the tomb, to go back to reverence his body. And they just laid to, him... Just to venerate his body? To venerate the body, yeah, because he was known just as a holy, holy man, okay. right? And so it's like, well, this is a holy man, and he's probably up for sainthood and all these other things, so like, let's... You know, reverence his body. So they move it, you know, and when they entomb somebody, right, they put them face up, you know, hands over, you know, the, their chest in a cross manner. Like, this is just kind of the normal protocols, right? They found him face down, pro- prostrated himself like he had been uh, almost all of his life in prayer. Because that's how they, that's how he would pray, just prostrated mm. face down. Yeah. So it's they li- found him like Literally that. rolling in his grave. And and uh, and his body smelled of sweet perfume. Cool, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a little bit about his teacher that this guy learned from. You know, Saint Thomas Aquinas yeah, yeah. learned from. Mm-hmm. Had you heard that story about Saint no. Albert? Mm-mm. Okay, so there's so Thomas Aquinas is, is like building up this reputation, right? Like he's under Albert the Great, which is, you know. The, the the guy yeah right? probably He's, hard hard to even become his student right yeah he was like you know the Albert Einstein of his area yeah. era or like you know wh- whoever you want to say so Thomas was making a name for himself as a teacher and they wanted to promote him to master of theology which is a higher level it's not like ma- like getting your master so to speak but right it's this hierarchy of a uh, uh, of um, theology, and they wanted to promote him to a master before uh, uh, um, promoting other people who is actually kind of ahead of him, supposed to be ahead of him. And Thomas de- declined it. He was like, "No, like by seniority, by seniority, yeah, yeah." yeah. And he's like, "No, no, no, I don't I, like, I don't do not do this." And he went into prayer in tears. One thing you'll learn about uh, Aquinas is like the man cried a lot in prayer. Uh, he was an emotional man in prayer, hmm. which is very interesting because he also did not allow his emotions to control his appetites to control him in any way, shape, or form. He was hmm. completely, uh, you know, focused on you know, ordered towards reason and truth, and would not any kind of inclination to his emotions. Yeah, there's there's basically no emotion in his writing, right? Well, even but, even but, just but like it's just so childlike. Yeah, right. But even you know, he's he's writing about things that he. He's very passionate about, you know, our Lord, and yet, even even then, it's very clinical, um, and just like academic. It's some of it. I mean, it's just logical and yeah, you know what I mean. It's well ordered. It's not. I mean, he he did write many other poems. He you know right. actually did write a lot of stuff like that. But you know, his work the Summa, anyways. So he's not an emotional. So he's in appeal. there. He's crying. He's praying to our Lord, like, please don't let me. You know, please don't let allow this to happen to me. And St. Dominic appears to him and asks why he's petitioning God with his tears. So, like, God has prepared this for you. Mm-hmm. And you should, you should rejoice. And he still, like, had this hesitancy. And so, and so St. Dominic said, like, out of obedience to, your, uh, uh, to, your, to the hierarchy, they're yeah. asking you that you should do it. Yeah. And so he's like, okay. And so he, right. he, 
you know, he does, he allows it to happen. I can picture him going like listening to St. Dominic and he's like, yeah, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> yeah. Can I get a, uh, can I get a second, a, a second opinion? Like what's um, Mary say? But here's a man, uh, again, St. Dominic oh, appears which, to him. But he's also a Dominican. And so like kind of is bound. I mean, St. Dominic's dead. I don't know if you're bound in obedience to a dude once he's dead. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the physics how yeah, that works. Yeah, but he is the like the founder of your order, right? And if he appears to you, I feel like you should probably just go with it. Yeah. So, uh, so he he accepts. He becomes a master of theology. Okay. One of the things that happened here, I don't know. This is number seven. Here we're on number seven. Okay. This is when he converts two Jews. Okay. So there was a tradition on Christmas where the, the Jewish community would send two of the rich and learned Jews to gather with these Christians uh, outside of Rome in this area. And the king asked if Thomas would come and, and engage with them because they're the, the, the two best Jews in the community, you know, as far as like intellectually yeah. and prominent Jews that would come over and they would talk to the Christians. Yeah. And so he, he asked thomas to come over and like converse with them and try to convert them and so thomas discusses this i love this is about like oh man okay so we're out of, we're gonna be out of time on on the radio uh go check us out on on the podcast catholicmanshow.com because i absolutely love his his tactics here on how he converts the cliffhanger Jews. uh yeah so go check it out uh the catholicmanshow.com we're talking about the 16 things that you don't you may not know about saint thomas aquinas in his life we had a little bit of uh uncle nearest 1884 we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass and cheers to jesus cheers so so the king asks him to come over yeah thomas thomas uh agrees like basically anybody of hierarchy that asks thomas to do something he's gonna he he, he basically does it well that's i think that should be the way right it I mean, is Again, this is kind of foreign to modern modernity, and so yeah, it's like freedom. Like I do what I want. You uh-huh. know? Um, most so, I think most people are like that. You know, like yeah, if you're like who who is not gonna if your parish priest comes up to you and a, and asks you to do something like are you not gonna do who's that? gonna say no right? You know, like you're not gonna do that right. So Thomas uh, agrees. He goes and he's he's talking to the to these Jewish people uh-huh. right, and Thomas discusses the old law. The Old Testament, yeah, with them at length because this is where the, the common ground is, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So he's talking about the old law and proves to them that the coming of our Savior comes through the, the words of the prophets from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But then he says, in his humility, he says, "Like go back, I'm going to give you a day, and I want you to think about what I've said, and then tomorrow we will come back and 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 reconvene, and I want you to ha- you know have a chance to." Think about it, so uh, you can and, give, and a, give good a good defense, defense of uh, uh, against this, mm-hmm. and so they they break, which I think is just awesome. So Thomas goes back uh, to his cell and just prays basically all night for these pe- for these people mm-hmm. for these two Jews, and like you know, uh, just I mean he's he's crying, he's pleading with the Lord, he's begging the Lord to please convert these these two people um, to sit, for them to see uh, you know the truth. Uh-huh. Next day comes and they see Thomas Aquinas and uh they're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
immediately once they see St. Thomas and convert. Sweet. Uh, and then after that... So had they planned on making a defense? They had a, yeah, they had a defense, defense ready. So it's just a, a miraculous event. It was a miraculous event. And they, they saw St. Thomas Aquinas filled with the Holy Spirit and converted. And uh, Aquinas, throughout his life, loved, obviously, as, as all Catholics do, but had a, a special place in his heart for the, the Nativity of Our Lord, for, for, for Christmas. Mm, okay. Right? And so um, this happened, you know, during the Christmas time. And then from that moment on, every Christmas, he received new visions of the Son of God and the Blessed Virgin Mary on Christmas Day. Wow. Which gave him, obviously... A renewed joy and satisfaction of what he's doing sure. to, to carry on for the next year. Talk about like being excited for Christmas. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, I receive visions every year. Yeah, Did, have you had you heard that one before? No, but I loved. So here's what I loved about it. Right, is that Thomas knew uh, who these people were. He knew how to talk to them. He met them on their level. Uh huh. In all humility, he said, "Hey." Go back. Think about this. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm not trying to win an argument. You know, I'm not trying... He, he's like, I mean, he is trying to win an argument. But he's really but, trying to win the soul. Right. You know, like, so he's giving them every, every chance that they can, they can, they can get. Right. Um, he, he's being very humble in his, in his approach. Um, mm-hmm. And then goes and prays for him. So, he, like, to me, I think a lot of times we forget, like, there's... At least, maybe this is just me. Yeah, no, but, like, yeah you forget to, to you, do the praying actually, part of it. Yeah, yeah, the whole praying part of... So he goes back to his cell and just, you know, throws his hands and feet, uh, you know, on the ground, praying to our Lord for these people. Mm-hmm. He had a, an acute awareness of of the worth of a soul. So, anyway, uh, I love that one. So, th- so let's talk about his humility. So this is number. This is no, only number eight. How far along are we? This, we, this we, might be to, a, we might have to speed it up a little okay, bit. Okay, we'll speed it up, or maybe we can make it a two part. I don't know. Um, so on his humility so he's talking about uh, on his humility he says I give this is something that he was somebody asked him about like how come you're so smart and like, mm-hmm. like how do you he said because I'm so handsome because I'm why. so handsome he says I give thanks to God for all my good looks yes uh, no but he says I give I've th- I give thanks to God that I have never experienced any motion of vainglory on account of my knowledge my authority as a master or any of my scholastic attainments for it is he who has raised me raised up my mind from the seat of humility. Even if the first inkling of such a notion ever approached my reason, I subdued it uh, by the established judgment for the same reason. So, like, the man just continually, like, would, would say, like, no, 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 this isn't, mm-hmm. this isn't like, my doing. This is a, a, a gift from God, right? Uh, his humility was just known... Spread world, world worldwide, like, literally, literally worldwide. One example was is that at one point in time in in his town, he was he was praying as he as he does a lot. You know, just he, the man prayed constantly. Uh-huh. A, a, a visiting friar came in and he was tasked with like taking a, a young uh, friar with him to go accomplish a task. He comes in, he sees Saint Thomas Aquinas. He thinks that Saint Thomas Aquinas is the young guy who's supposed to help him. And he immediately says, hey, come on, we got to go. We got to get this thing done. They, they had to go beg for food. Yeah. Okay, so you've heard this one yeah. as well. So Aquinas, you know, c- concludes his prayer and immediately just goes and follows the man. Uh-huh. 
And as they're going around begging for food, uh, the people in the town notice, like, this is St. Thomas Aquinas. This is obviously not saying, but this is Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Like, Friar Thomas, like, what are you doing here? And uh, the other priest realizes, oh, I, I, I made a mistake. He, he, did he realize it then, or was it when they got back that he realized? Uh, so, uh, I, I, the, I in my know. mind, the story went that they got back from begging, and then, like, that's well, when somebody else said, oh, Thomas, there you are. And then that's when the guy realized, like, what? Uh, yeah, I I think in here it talked about how like people were talking to him okay, out yeah. there, but I I also could just not have the story right. But it just goes to show you, like, if Thomas if somebody asked Thomas to do something, he would just go and do it. Yeah, that is funny. Uh, one of the Dominicans, you know he got a kick out of it doing it though. Like, oh yeah, he's he's internally it's like just this going guy. Like, he doesn't know who I am, but let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm yeah. down. So uh, Thomas was known to to get up very early, say say you know pray the mass, and then typically he would actually go and con celebrate with. Uh, either Reginald, his his friend, or, or somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. And so he'd yeah. celebrate. Well, uh, Father Vincent McNabb, who's a, a very great theologian, Dominican, but like really odd and was struck by the fact that one of the greatest theologians in Christendom was happy to basically be an altar boy at Mass uh-huh. for somebody else. Yeah. Um, just, again, to show you just his humility. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so uh, here, here's a, a very quick one, number nine. His secretary said that, he, you know, so people talk about all the time how Reginald told, said, like, that Thomas was uh, able to dictate three or four different books at a time with different secretaries, uh-huh. right? Uh, but his secretary actually said that when Thomas was asleep, he would sometimes continue to speak sentences that fit perfectly into what he was dictating while he was awake. Hmm. So would, would he write them down still? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe on maybe. a, maybe take like a extra piece of paper. Like, hey, here's some stuff I wrote down that you said while you were sleeping. Do you want me to put it in <laughs> the official thing or? Does this make, uh. You did say it. Does this make, so. Yeah. Uh, the next one is like beautiful, I think. Uh, it's, it's number 10 and it, it's actually, it's, it's William. Uh, it's about William, but he doesn't mention it as first person. He mentioned it as a a brother who uh, who who was needing to know. Okay, so he doesn't name himself in in this writing. Yeah, but it's very clear from uh, reading it that it's it, it's actually him. So Thomas has has died, and William is uh, you know preparing all these documents for his canonization. And like he was getting very nervous, right? Like here's this magnificent man. I'm just a hum- you know I'm just an regular old Dominican, yeah. you know, like I'm in charge of getting all these things together. Am I doing it justice? Mm-hmm. And Thomas appears to William. Uh, and he appears to him as a younger version of Thomas. Okay. And William was like, Thomas, you look, you look young. You look good, brah. Yeah. And he says, uh, Thomas says uh, that, uh, this, uh, that the saints are full of youth. Hmm. Is what he says, which I think is like kind of cool. Uh, but William asks if he wrote, uh, like, if what he had wrote of Thomas was well. Very similar to how you hear, you know, Thomas asking Jesus if he wrote well of him, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of uh, very yeah. parallel. Uh, but Thomas corrected him on, uh, on who gave Thomas's eulogy. Because William wasn't there when, when, for, for, the, for the eulogy, but 
had heard, oh, this guy is the one who gave the eulogy. And just out of truth and, you know, desire to the truth, he's like, you've written well. However, it wasn't that dude who gave the eulogy. It was actually... Written well, except the part that you got completely wrong. Right. Yeah. And then he's like, thank you so much. And then he asked Thomas about one of his writings because he uh, Thomas talks about how the saints have a threefold vision of God, which I would love to do an episode on this after I study it a little okay. bit. Okay. All right. But Thomas says that there's a threefold vision of God. One type is a sensible vision. One's an, Im- an imaginative vision. Oh, uh, and one's an, another is an intellectual vision. Okay. And so uh, that was kind of, uh, I think that was... Belie- that's interesting. Yeah, and I think that's like, oh, I could be wrong. And this is what he's saying as a, like an apparition. Like... No, no, no. He's written, he's already written this in the Summa. Oh, okay. I thought you meant he was saying that to him. No, no. He, this in, has already been written when in he the was Summa, appearing that to was him. kind of something that, was, that people were like, is that true or... How do was, you know? Yeah, how do you know? Yeah. Uh, and so he was asking him, like, is, is what you wrote about this true? Uh, and Thomas confirms, yes, this is true. Yes. And that's, then he, wh- that's and, why I wrote it. And then he left. And Sweet. he disappeared. Wait! <laughs> I have another question! <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, another one. So, so, so Thomas, obviously, being so holy, he found it difficult to believe that anyone uh, had sinned, like, Saw like giving people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, like, he's no always way. like, there's oh, no, no way he would have never choose, done that. Yeah. Like knowingly, the man would not have sinned. Yeah, um, like because he imagined like that all men were, were very much like him in his disposition and yeah. his like. But when he found that that wasn't the case, um, that you know that everybody didn't have this this innocence. Um, he, he, he like it, it like it like troubled him, right. And so there was there was a time where he found that one of his brother friars, uh, it was known that the man freely chose, like knew it and freely chose to to sin anyway. Now it doesn't say whether it was a mortal sin, like you know, if it was grave matter or not. I don't know. Yeah. But Thomas took it on himself as like it was him that sinned, because he he said like uh, I have to replicate the apostle Paul who you know, took on, imitated Christ and took on the sins of many. And so, like, he, like, threw down, like, all night long in in prayer. In a penance. In a penance for this man's sins. Wow. I've heard that when he was a young boy, Aquinas, um, he could see his guardian angel, an angel. He, he could see hmm. angels. And I forget exactly what happened in the story, but then, like, there was a moment where he like said something or mentioned something mm-hmm. and then realized wait but you guys don't you see guys can't see your you can't see your guardian angel cuz he just thought everybody can everybody can cuz right. he can you know when you're you grew up that way and like right yeah yeah so that, it's funny that wasn't mentioned in this book really yeah which i think is well it might not be verifiable you know it could be one of those like well and there's also other books like so uh, Jacques Maritain has a Maritain, whatever. Like uh-huh. he has a book that's a, a really good biography of of, of Saint Thomas Aquinas. Reginald, his buddy, like has another some writings uh, as well. Another great. So it could be over there. Yeah, um, I also like the stories about you know like Aquinas. Thomas is trying to figure out like what does this mean in the like this passage of the Bible, mm-hmm. and then Peter shows up. 
Yeah, so I didn't I didn't add any of those in there because like people, people more these, people more yeah that because those are like because yeah, he struggled stories. he struggled to understand certain aspects of of, of the New Testament and, like just like yearned more than anything to understand them right and then uh, yeah Jesus sent Saint Paul and Saint Peter. happens to me all the time you know mm-hmm. like yeah. Peter showing up to explain things right yeah so you know okay so so this goes to show you the holiness of this man right you yeah, know like yeah. whenever you uh, encounter a holy guy. Right, a holy priest or a holy, uh, you know, holy, holy guy, and you're like, man, there's something about like mm-hmm. you can tell like this man is holy. Like, you know, they they talked about like when Mother Teresa would walk down the air, airport, like people would just like stop and just like and be weeping, yeah, and just like be crying or like yeah. kneeling down as she walked by, like they could just like witness like and feel the Which presence. I'm sure, of like bothered her so sure, much. I'm sure that do you not realize that this is like hurting my salvation, right? <laughs> Um, I'm just an old woman. (laughs) But like, you know, you you, you get this feeling, right? Well, there's many times where people, uh, they had so much charity and like he had so much like kindness uh, that people would say that uh, you could not observe him in conversation for any length of time without without being refreshed with grace and some some special consolation. Wow. That like, he said... uh, there was like time and time after like cardinals and bishops and like all these people who would like come to him for, for guidance or he would actually go to those people for, gu- you know, uh, and they would, they would come away like feeling like a special grace or some kind of consolation, mm. um, which is pretty incredible. Okay. 13. We're almost, we're getting, we're getting close. Okay. Uh, let's talk about his family. Okay. Uh, mom, Theodora, a lady known as deep, deep devotion at, uh, abstinence and prayer to the extent that she would develop calluses on her hands and knees from prostrating herself and casting herself on the earth for continuous genuflections like that's pretty intense right yeah like uh uh, william says in there indeed she would not have merited to bear such a son unless her prayers had been pleasing before god yeah sure that was pretty cool totally uh his one of his sister's also Theodora. How many brothers and sisters did he have? Do you know? Yeah, you know, I don't know exactly. Like, uh, I don't know exactly. Okay, yeah. I don't either. Um, but she was also known, uh, one of her sisters, Lady, uh, or, or the sister Theodora, was known as a very uh, pious woman. She freely distributed, like, everything she possessed to whoever needed it. Like, she was known as this, this, this woman who had just devout, like, uh, mm. a sense of poverty, like, a desire for poverty, and would just yeah. give even the necessities that she needed to whoever asked for, you know, uh, she, she conducted herself with like this most like austerity. Like she, she was very, she lived an ascetic life. In fact, Uh they said like, because it wasn't proper in those days for women to like during the evening time or like during the time where prayer and, and fastings and things like that were happening, like for them to out like show, showcase it or like, you know, even in the family. Mm. So she would wait till all, everybody would go to sleep and then she would like, more uh, like The make, daily discipline? Yeah, make, make disciplines, uh, you know, mortifications on herself, on yeah. her body uh, in, in the middle of the night so no one would know. Um, but her, her body was also found incorrupt and had like this sweet fragrance whenever they exhumed her body. Sweet. Pretty, pretty epic. Yeah. Even his nephew, Tom, which also another man named Thomas, uh, he was hmm. he was a count, and he also became a Dominican to follow uh, his uncle. 
Um, but he was known to exhibit great virtue. Uh, he was one. He was a man who, like, people would go to afterwards and be like, "Listen, which is, it? you know, it's a guy like you. You have big shoes to fill." Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but they would go to him and be like, they would also like reference him almost like as a mini Saint Thomas, like, like hmm. a secondary Saint Thomas Aquinas, because wow. he was so well known. Yeah. One of his brothers was a martyr. Now, remember when I told you to bookmark that thing earlier? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's not like official by the church. The, the church is not like said. Not proclaimed as a yeah, martyr. Yeah, as but, a martyr. But okay. his name was Ronaldo. And um, he was martyred for siding with the Pope over the emperor to dispute, like in, in a dispute that the emperor had. And the emperor basically threw him in exile and put him uh, to death for it. Now the reason why is because the emperor actually like when uh the pope summoned and said like no you guys you know uh you shouldn't be helping his mom sort should, of like, so or, to speak. Or you shouldn't have captured St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Uh the the emperor reluctantly allowed that to happen but he was like really upset about it. Yeah. And uh basically said like I'm going to let this happen but you're still on my side, right? Like you're still on my side and uh, Reginald, uh, Ronaldo said, no, I'm not. I'm with the Pope. And so he cast him in exile hmm. uh, because he, th- he said, like, you're, you're, uh, you're against me. Yeah. Um, and, and, and summoned him to death. How did he die? Uh, it didn't say how he died. Okay. But he died. So, like... Another like a brother of Saint Thomas Aquinas is a martyr for, you know, wow. standing up for the Pope. Wow. Uh, also, here's another thing that I thought was really interesting. This is okay. So this is 14. So we only have a couple more. Okay. Because, tell me what you think about when you envision Saint Thomas Aquinas, like physically. What do you see of like? What do you see? Well, I've heard he's bald and fat. That's what I've heard. Right. So. Like he's bald. I don't actually and fat. like think about a visual. Of what, like, very often. Like Jim. <laughs> Jim says, it looks like Jim. Um, yeah, so, like, the, the, the tradition is is that he's a, a bald, fat man. Mm-hmm. Weighs, a, weighs a bunch a, of... A portly fellow. Right. William disagrees. Okay. William does say that uh, he, he is a balding man, but that he actually has, a, a, like, a, a athletic build. And he says that because his, he says like basically his natural constitution of the doctor's body corresponded with his interior virtue of the mind. Like like an offensive lineman athletic build or no like no 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 like so he even said that uh, Thomas was passing through the courtyard and the peasants working in the fields left their labors to marvel at his uh, imposing stature and physical beauty, being full of admiration for a man of such uh, beauty. Hmm. All right. So, like, where's the fat story come from? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I just, I just found it interesting that William, who, you know, swore an oath to the Pope that everything that he's written, mm-hmm. uh, he he believes to be true. Yeah. Well, he also he knew him. Yeah, and he knew him. I mean, he studied. So he would have him. known if if he was a big fat man or not. Yeah. So, uh, hmm. I, I found that to be very shocking. All right. Well, I like that. Uh, okay, so here's a couple other ones. Okay. Uh, number 15. So uh, 
Almost there. Almost there. We're close. I, we're not actually that too far in, right? I mean, an hour and 15 I minutes? I can't see. It's too far maybe? away. Okay. Uh, I will, that's the last one. Okay. St. Thomas's Tooth. Okay. Uh, but uh, 15, so uh, a vision, uh, like so when St. Thomas was alive, he had, uh, his sister who had already passed um, appeared to her appeared to him i'm sorry mm-hmm. and she was asking she was telling him i'm in purgatory will you please say some mass x amount of number of masses for my soul um and he did which is this the abbess sister or is this just i a- I, I, I think it was the abbess sister but okay. i'm not positive okay um and so he did okay and then she appeared to him again to tell him, like, thank you so much. I'm in heaven. Uh, and so Thomas said, "You're welcome." You know, obviously, like as a as a gentleman, he was like, "I'm ha- I'm happy to." Sweet sis. Yeah, I'm so glad you're in heaven. But then he said, uh, "He said, what about my state? What what about the soul? Like my soul's state? Like, uh-huh. can you can you ask? Can you tell? Like, can you figure out? Like, where like, where am I? At? Where am I at? Here's what she said." Because you know, the, I think the reason for this is at the time the the common belief was that um, you could not know whether you were in a state of grace or not, hmm. and if you proclaimed to know, then that was a like they looked. It was they did the same thing to Joan of Arc hmm. on in her trial. They said, "Are you in a state of grace?" And that's when she gave the very famous line, if I am, may God keep me there. If I'm not, may he swiftly bring me hmm. back into a state of grace. And that was a trap because the belief at the time was that you couldn't know whether or not you're in a state of grace. Now, the church says differently now. Yeah. That, that in fact, you you should know. Right. And actually gives the reasons why. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, but the, here's what she says to him. Okay. This is quoting her. She says, you are in a good state, brother. You will soon be joining us, but the glory that has been prepared for you is greater than ours. And he's, she's talking about like her, the rest of her family. Uh-huh. Hold fast to the great gift that you've been given. When he took uh, his, uh, this opportunity to ask about his brother as well, mm-hmm. because you know, because she said like uh, she said greater than ours. He's like ours, oh, right? Oh yeah. Well, what about my brother? Which he has multiple. He said, "What about Lord's uh, Lord?" Let Lanfaldo. All right. I don't know. Let me see. Dolfo. Dolfo. Landolfo. Landolfo, yeah. Uh, she replied, he's in purgatory. And he said, well, well Ronaldo. And he said, his, it, which is his older brother. And she said, he, he is also in paradise. And then on a different occasion, he received another vision from, uh, from her about his brother and, and, uh, the, there was a book shown to him by an angel with the columns of which were written in blue and gold ink. And there he read the name of his brother among the lines of gold, which were reserved for the martyrs. So remember the... Ah. Remember like... Um, so he was counted as a martyr. I mean... In, in heaven. In heaven. In, in the place where it counts. Right. I mean, it counts here too, but that's only because it, if it counts here, it definitely counts upstairs, you right. know? Right. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Had you heard that one before? Mm-mm. Okay, so last one. 16. Okay. You thought uh, we weren't going to get there. No, I knew we were going to get there. I, <laughs> I, like, didn't, I didn't know it was going to take this long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, as Thomas was was getting to be known as this man of, you know, rhetoric. The thing about uh, St. Thomas was his his rhetoric was just on point, right? The man knew a lot, but was able to... Like, well, his dis- mind was a razor. Yeah, but was able to, like, dis- disseminate everything that he knew to mm-hmm. be able to to proclaim it in a way that the, the audience in which he was, you know, in front of yeah. uh, could receive it well. Uh-huh. Which is an art, right? I mean, this is, I mean, yeah, this is an art. As that was happening, he uh, he had an excess tooth that grew in his mouth. That was. What do you mean? As it was happening, like he's just like, speaking to one group of no, people. No, no, no. Like as he was being known as this great uh, oratory, like or uh, a man who could speak well, right? Okay. A, a good preacher. Okay. Like he was, he was becoming known as his reputation grew. So did a tooth. So did a, t- a tooth, yes. Um, this excess tooth, and it impeded his speech terribly. Okay. okay. And so uh, St. Thomas just committed himself to divine providence and retreated to prayer and thought, like, well, this is just the Lord's will. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to get in front of everybody. I if, can't speak well anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so he says, like, if, if this is the case, then, then praise God. Yeah. Um, this is his will, and so I won't speak anymore. Okay. So he refined himself. Like he retreated. He started praying, um, just like studying and praying and studying and praying. As he was praying, all of a sudden, like, uh, and he's ab- absorbed in this prayer. Like he would, get, he would get. You know, like you've heard JP two, like being just absorbed into prayer. People would be like, "Hey, yeah, wake up, we're done." You know, like, yeah, it's time to we go. We gotta go. And they're like shaking the man to try to get him out of prayer. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this is the case with Aquinas too. You know, he was just like, like, just consumed in prayer. And uh, one of the guys like was like, "Hey, we gotta go, we gotta go." And he's like waking up, what kind of like waking him out of this prayer. And uh, this tooth, like, w- just like came out of his mouth hmm. without any pain or any like, which you know, obviously, it's unusual. Yeah, it's very unusual. And just for, land- adult, for adult teeth, right? And just landed it into his hand. And he, he took it as, yeah, the Lord wants me to speak longer. It was just a devil tooth. <laughs> the devil wanted you to stop. And so, but he, had he had not, revi- you know, resigned to prayer and said like, you know, blessed be the Lord, regardless uh-huh. of what he gives, you know, what, whatever he gives me, blessed be the Lord. And he goes to prayer. Maybe that tooth would have stayed. Who knows? Yeah. That's a weird story. That's kind of a weird story. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I wanted to end on it. Yeah. Kind of a weird one. It is kind of weird. But there it is. I mean, it it happened. I I had never heard that story before. No, I haven't heard it either. So, anyway, I think this book is really cool. Like, uh, again, there's like... I like the the artwork on the front. Um, I think that's... Like... Yeah. And there's like 64... I like that. There's 64... No, 69... Nine chapters. And they're all really short. A lot of them, like... A page. Yeah, I was noticing that. A page like, and a half. Yeah, that, that's... Uh, and so it's really easy to go through. This is why... It'd be I, a fast read, really. Yeah, it's a really fast read. This is why I also, though, I had to tab it because I was trying to think and, like, I put notes on the front because the, the one thing about it is, like, the content, like, it doesn't tell the you... table of contents, yeah. Yeah, the table of contents is basically, like, the foreword, the introduction... The book. The book. And, <laughs> and the appendix, you know, like... This is where the book is. Yeah. And so I had to, like, make my own kind of, like, table of contents, but... Um, That's so weird. Uh, I really, like, I really, really What a strange it. 
way to do it. A strange way to publish it. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, it just made me fall deeper in love with our Lord, which ultimately, you know, hopefully makes me fall deeper in love with Our Lady and, and, and yeah. Christ. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, I learned some things. I learned a lot of things today. Good. Yeah. That doesn't, we can't say that in all honesty after every episode. No, not everyone. So. But many. All right. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. The raise your glass. Cheers.